you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Psalm chapter 73. Appreciate J.C. Meadows reading that for us. I kind of edited it a little bit so she didn't have to read the whole chapter. Uh, but we are going to be looking at the whole chapter, and I'll try to move through it quickly. But while you're finding that, I just want to thank you so much, those of you um, that came, uh, prepared food this week, uh, helped us prepare food, serve food, and deliver food to several uh, in our church family this past Wednesday night. What a blessing. I've heard many reports from recipients of meals uh, and also people that delivered meals. What a blessing it was to them uh, to get to know uh, some people in our church that they may not know, some shut-ins and some of our elderly. But thank you so much to everyone that came and helped. Uh, we've just been blown away by the level of participation in our Hands and Feet in the Heat program uh, this summer on Wednesdays, and uh, what a blessing it has been. This week, we're taking it to a whole new level of heat, uh, giving some of our older ones a, a break, uh, but we have 32 campers headed to children's camp this week. And so that will be the project for the week for our sponsors and our kids. We give some of uh, you others a break, but I'm really not giving you a break because I'm going to ask you to commit today to pray daily at least once a day for our kids and our sponsors that are going to be at camp. Number one, it's going to be a hot week, and I know uh, their number one goal is to keep our kids hydrated and cool and safe. But most importantly, that God would move among them in a very special way. Uh, camp is so special. It's where uh, God often reveals His goodness, His forgiveness, and His grace to our kids. And many accept Him uh, at a very young age at church camp. So will you join me in praying for our kids and our sponsors headed to camp? If you will, say amen. Amen. We only had two people in early service that would do that, uh, but we're trying to get them saved each and every week. We're continuing our, our series sermon. Uh, I, may, I have trouble with this only in the second service, and I don't know why. Summer sermon series we're continuing today called Sunshine and Psalms. And what we're doing is we're spending the rest of the summer up through uh, September uh, taking a look at some of the Psalms from the Old Testament. This week we're here in Psalm 73. Last week we looked at Psalm 23. Uh, so we're jumping 50 here. Uh, so you can see we're not going to be in this the rest of the year, just a few more weeks. Uh, but I believe that every one of us uh, can to some degree relate to the psalmist that wrote this particular psalm. What I, I told you when we started this, one of the reasons uh, I felt led to go to the psalms, one of the reasons I love studying the psalms is because it's just so real. Uh, it's just so raw. It's so honest as you read these psalms. Uh, I can so often relate uh, to the writer. Uh, like in this particular psalm we're going to be looking at today. Uh, some days, you know, I get out of bed and, and I wonder, you know, why, why does everything seem like it has to be a struggle, right? 
Uh, any, anybody else ever feel that way where it, it just feels like every single thing that you attempt or try to do, uh, you, you run into an obstacle or it just seems to be difficult? Or, or maybe sometimes you wonder, uh, you look at other people and you see, you see them and you know they're not faithful in their walk to Christ and, and they're not walking in obedience to God, but yet they, they seem to have everything that anyone could possibly ever want and, and life just seems to be so good for them. Or, or, or maybe uh, you wonder, you know, you, you're going to go home this afternoon and, and uh, you're going to get on Facebook and you're going to see all those people that are, you know, they're just having a blast doing everything and, and, and they never go to church and it seems like they're always getting to do, you know, all this fun stuff and travel and go all, all over the world and, and all that and you just you, you look at what other people are doing and you're like you know they're on the tour bus and I'm stuck on the struggle bus you know and that's kind of where Asaph was he, we find him here you know wondering out loud in his writings why why do these things happen and I'm sure y'all are all uh, so much more sanctified and holy than I am. And you may never ask questions like that. But even this week, I was, I, I was going home. Uh, I was going home from the church. And I was driving back. And man, I could just see a rain cloud. I could hear thunder, you know. And it just like, it, it just stayed away from us. It just went, you know, kept going to the east. And I'm like, that rain. And I could see it raining. And I'm like, that rain is headed to Valonia. Why in the world, God, would you give them rain and not give us uh, sanctified holy people rain, right? But the uh, Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, so I guess they were getting their, their due. But, uh, you know, we all ask why, and it's okay. I, I, a lot of times uh, at funerals, I, I will tell the family, it's okay to ask why. Even the Son of God Himself said, why? Why, Father, have you forsaken me? So, so it's okay. And, 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 you know, part of the reason that we do that, part of the reason that we say why, part of the reason that we look around us and, and, and feel like we're not being treated fairly is because we're often looking at things through human and earthly eyes instead of looking at things through a spiritual lens, okay, to where uh, it's a faith uh, lens, if you will. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, the Apostle Paul says that we as followers of Christ, we live by what? We live by faith, we don't live by sight. And the writer of Hebrews talks about how God responds to those who walk in faith and walk by faith and not by sight. It says that God is not ashamed to call those people their God. So what do we do when we find ourselves starting to lose our focus. What, what do we do uh, when we start to focus on things from a world's perspective? Well, I believe that this psalm today is going to teach us a little bit about how uh, to respond. Uh, this psalm in particular, Psalm 73, was written by a man named Asaph. Uh, he was a Levite. 
uh, which mean, uh, means, and we know that he was uh, spiritually mature. He was a godly man. He actually uh, was a worship leader. He led worship and led a choir uh, in the temple. Uh, we know that Asaph was the author of at least 12 of the Psalms that we find recorded in the Scriptures. And as you begin reading this one, and as uh, J.C. shared with us this morning, you know, it appears, you know, that as you read about the first half of this psalm, it it, it appears like he's about ready to, to, to call it quits. That, you know, he's looking around him and he's beginning to get discouraged, disgruntled. He, he doesn't understand. He's ready to cash it all in and just walk away and call it good. And even maybe walk away from his faith. But this psalm, as you read through it and you focus on it, it it's, it's very personal. And, and it's full of, of just gut-wrenching honesty as you go through it and you read through it. And he asked the question that I'm sure many of us have asked at some time or another. You know, if, if God is supposed to bless his followers, if God is supposed to bless believers, then why do we find ourselves struggling? Why do we find ourselves struggling with health? Why do we find ourselves struggling with our finances? Why do we find ourselves struggling uh, with relationships and family situations and, and, and job situations? While we look around us at the unbelievers and those who are not faithful to God, and, and they seem to be living the good life. They seem to be living it up, enjoying prosperity and good health and wealth. And we see here that Asaph begins in verse 1 making a statement, uh, a theological statement. As he says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And you know what? All of us here, uh, we would probably agree with this statement. And we would agree with it most of the time. But then there are times like what we see in verse 2 and 3 as he continues. He says, but as for me, right now he's not even including himself in that group of people, right? He says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw their prosperity. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You see, what was happening here? Well, Asaph was beginning to look around. He was beginning to do something that is, is so very dangerous for us all to do, and that's to begin to look at others and compare ourselves to them. Compare ourselves to what they have. Compare ourselves to the kind of job they have, to the kind of money that they have, the kind of health that they have, the kind of stuff that they are accumulating. And when Asaph uh, began to look around, he was, he was doing what? He was looking at things through an earthly lens instead of a spiritual lens. And, and when I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but think about when I go to the eye doctor, you know, and they put this big thing in front of your face and they, they click that little dial, you know, and sometimes things are blurry and sometimes they're cl- clear and and I don't know if y'all's does this or not, but mine will go eight or nine. Eight 
or nine? And I'll be like, I don't know. I can't see out of either one of them, right? And, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of what we see Asaph doing uh, in this psalm. He, he starts out, and then we see the lens click, and things start to become more clear to him. But right now, he's looking at things through the wrong lens. He's looking at things through the lens that the culture and the world around him is looking at. And here's what he's doing. He's looking at the people around him. He's, he's had his focus on God up to this point. But now, he begins to look at those people around him. And guess what? They're not looking to God. What are they looking at? They're looking at the things of this world. They're looking over here. What can I get? What can I grab? What can I accumulate? And so Asaph starts looking where they're looking, and he starts looking around at them. And hey, all that looks attractive, and all that looks pretty good. And and so when he began to look the way that they were looking and seeing the things that he was seeing and what they were doing, he was seeing how people not faithful to God, they were prospering, they were living the good life, and he's focusing now on the wrong things. These earthly things, these temporary things that start to bring him down. And the first thing he sees is their prosperity and their wealth and their money. Now look at verse 4. He says, they have no struggles. Their bodies, they're healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. And then he sees their pride. Uh, verse 6, he says, Therefore pride is their necklace. They, they clothe themselves with, with violence. From their calloused hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. And their tongues take possession of earth. Friends, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous place to be. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, but their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. And honestly, today, I'm sure that we can all uh, think of someone, point to someone, or maybe several someones that we know, who we know are obviously not living a life of faith, not walking in obedience to God in their life, but yet they appear to have it made. Yet they appear to have a good life, making lots of money, appear to have no concerns, they, they appear to have no cares whatsoever or any problems. And we look at them, and what happens when we begin to look at them? We've stopped looking at Him. When we start looking at them, and we look at them, and we see the fun that they're having, and we see the success that they're having, and then we look at ourselves, and we start our own little pity party. God, can't you see? 
how faithful I try to be to you. God, can't you see all the stuff that I'm doing for you? God, can't you see that I have a devotion book right here beside my bed? Can't you see that I have a Bible on display in my living room? It looks brand new, just like it did 23 years ago. But people, when they walk in my home, they know that I'm a person of faith because I have a a Bible there so that they can see it. God, can't you see? Don't you know? How come I don't have it made? How come everything seems to be such a struggle? Why do I live with this pain? Why did I get that diagnosis? Why did I lose that loved one? And we find ourselves having the same response as Asaph here. Verse 13, surely in vain, surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. Friends, Asaph's just being honest. He's just being brutally honest with God. He's putting it on paper. And you know what? God felt that it was important enough that he would include it in his holy word so that you and I would have it and we would look at it even today. Asaph's just being honest with God. And honestly, this is a natural human response. I've called it for years our stinking thinking. So how do we fix it? How do we fix this way of thinking? What, what do we do to correct it? What do we do to view things through the proper lens? Well, let's continue. Verse 15. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. Asaph, what he's saying here, you know, the the more he tried to rationalize it, the more that he tried to understand it, the more unfair it appeared to him to be, and the more painful that it became. And he began to question. He began to question his faith and and, and ask why. You know, do, do evil people deserve all the good things that they get? You know, don't we as God's children, don't, don't we deserve those things? Don't we deserve those blessings? Shouldn't we as a child of the king get everything that we want? And have good health and lots of money and no problems? Because God, if you would give me all that, if you would do all that for me, just think of what I could do for you. <laughs> you see, the answer to us Uh, seems to be that that's right. That we should get those things and we should have a good life and we should have good health. But that's because we're often looking at things through the wrong lens and from the wrong perspective. And we see here in verse 16 what our response should be when we get caught up in situations like this. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me. Until what? Until when? Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I got it. Then I understood. Then I realized and I understood their final destiny. 
So what has happened here, the lens that he was looking at all these things through has changed. It's changed. It's changed from looking through an earthly lens to a spiritual lens. A lens of faith. A lens of heaven. And this is the lens, my friend, that we should view all things. All things we should view through the perspective of God. We need to see things as God sees them. That's easy to say, easy to preach, harder to do. Amen? Just be honest. Easy to say. Easy to hear, harder to do. But I think we have some help here when Asaph tells us what changed that perspective. What, what was it that changed that perspective? What was it that changed the lens and what he was seeing and how he was seeing it? Well, he said... It's when we enter the sanctuary of God. When we enter the presence of God, we'll see what He sees. We'll look at what He's looking at. We'll have a heart for the things that breaks His heart. You see, it will totally change our perspective when we're in His presence And His presence is in us. When we enter into His presence, and His presence enters into our lives, that's when our nearsightedness disappears. And the things that really matter, truly matter in this world, come into a clearer, better focus. The more time we spend worshiping Him, The more time we have looking at Him, the more time we spend in His presence, the closer we get to Him, the closer He gets to us, and the more clearly that we will be able to see things as He sees them. The first thing we need to do is worship Him, draw near to Him. You know, I've, I've heard kids say it before, and I know I said it a lot uh, when I was a kid, I'm sure. But I've heard kids say before, they don't understand why they have to go to school. Any kids in here ever wondered that? Why, why do I have to go to school? It's dumb, right? I mean, it's just dumb. Why, do I, why, do, why did I have to learn algebra? I, I do, I, I do not, I've not worked an algebra problem since I got out of school. I just haven't. A trig problem? I've not had to uh, break down sentences, you know, and grammar and what's a verb, what's a noun. I, I, I don't need any of that. Y'all can tell I didn't do very well in English. You know why I didn't do very well in English? Because I wasn't there a whole lot, all right? Uh, back when I was a kid, you can miss like 20-something days. My mother's here this morning. She probably doesn't even know that. They don't call your parents when you don't go to school when I was a kid. They didn't call them. So we'd just drive through the parking lot, and they'd be like, you know, I'd have the, our bird dog in the back. I'd be like, you want to go quail? Anybody want to go quail hunting? You know, anybody want to go fishing? I'm up for doing anything but going in there, right? And, and so we don't understand it. 
we don't really understand the purpose of school until we've experienced it and we have it behind us. And then it all kind of begins to make sense, the importance of it and why we need it. And sometimes, you know what, that's the same way that it is with God. The closer we get to Him, the more time that we spend with Him, the more that we do for Him, the longer that we walk with Him, the more we'll begin to understand. The more that we'll begin to see things the way that He does. And the more that we will understand His way and His purposes. And so Asaph came close to God. He saw the wicked for what they really were. And he also understood what eventually was going to happen to those people and the judgment that they would face. Now look at verse 18. He says, Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasy. When we see the things of this world and start to feel bad about ourselves, we must draw near to God, come into His sanctuary, join with other believers, and worship Him. Because let me tell you something, it's when you're with the body of Christ, it's when you're walking with that group of believers and that group of people coming into uh, the sanctuary, not only in His presence, but the presence of other people that have some of the same struggles that you have. That when you begin to get on that slippery slope, there's somebody there to extend you a hand to help you get back up. Let me tell you something. If you're trying to walk alone and you're trying to walk separate from the body of Christ, when you slip, there's no one there. There's no one there. That's the importance of the church. That's the importance of the body of Christ. That's the importance of us coming together to worship our Savior together. To lift one another up. To encourage one another. To reach down and pull somebody up. Sometimes it's just to carry them through a time where they can't carry themselves. This helps us keep our focus on what it ought to be on and who it needs to be on. And then we'll see ourselves the way Asaph did in verse 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless, literally dumb and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. And I love the way the message paraphrases this. It says it like this. When I was beleaguered and bitter, when I was that person getting on Facebook, blasting everybody, right? When I was beleaguered and bitter, totally consumed by envy, I was totally ignorant. A dumb ox in your very presence. I love that. I love, because that's exactly what we are. When, when we spend our time doing what Asaph has done in the, the first half of this psalm, ignorant. Dumb as an ox, right? <laughs> I heard about a lady that, that had spent her entire life in a little small rural Tennessee town. And uh, she didn't get out much and uh, didn't have a lot of money, but she loved country music and she listened to the Grand Ole Opry on the radio every week. She always listened to it. She loved it. 
So she began to save her money, and she began to scrape. She began to sacrifice and put money aside because she wanted to go to Nashville. She wanted to go to the Grand Ole Opry. Finally, she saved up enough money. She makes her trip to Nashville, Tennessee. She's got a hotel room there reserved for and when she gets to the hotel when she arrives there uh, a guy comes out with this luggage cart you know and and uh, begins to load her bags there uh, on the the what's that thing called Mook? cart all right it's cart i thought it had some fancy name that i i didn't know um, but anyway so the man said, just follow me, ma'am, and I'll take you where you need to go. I'll take you to your room. And so she follows this man. And as the door closed, she began to look around her, and she got upset. She began to shake her fist and become angry with this young man that had her bags. She said, young man, she said, I may be old. And she said, and yes, I may come straight from the hills. She said, but that don't mean that I'm stupid. And that don't mean that I'm dumb. She said, I paid good money for this room. I've been saving for a long time for this room. And this room is entirely too small. There's no air conditioner. There's no TV. There's not even a bed in this room. And the bellhop is just totally confused and and doesn't understand what's going on. And he looks at her and he says, ma'am, this is not your room. This is the elevator. (laughs) And that's exactly what we're, look, we're like sometimes when, when we look at the things the way that Asaph was looking at things, right? He says it, it's dumb and it's ridiculous. Uh, it's ignorant because we truly don't understand the big picture because we're focused on the wrong things, seeking the wrong things, looking at the wrong people, comparing ourselves to the wrong ones, right? And he's saying here that that's dumb. It, it's ignorant. Dumb as an ox. <laughs> and finally then we see here the security that Asaph is reminding himself of. You know, that our security is, is not in this world. It, our security is not in that 401k. But God, please help my 401k. I'm getting closer to retirement every day and it just keeps going down, right? But my security is not in that. My security is not in the things of this world. My security is only found in my relationship with God and my faithfulness to Him and my obedience to Him. And friends, that's not just me because I'm a preacher. That's all of us. That's every single one of us. And we see Asaph, we see him coming full circle here. In verse 23, he says, Yet I'm always with you. Oh, I love this picture. Daddy, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me in to glory. Big picture. Big picture. After all this, (laughs) you're going to take me with you into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing. Can we say that this morning? Earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen. Friends, think about it. We tend to look at our lives 
our problems, our struggles, our illnesses as some sort of evidence that things are going wrong. But sometimes when things go wrong, it's because we're doing things right. It just is. That's the truth. That's real. That's what Asaph is battling with and working through and talking through here. Think about Job. The story of Job. He was living right when everything in his world went wrong. And it was his proper perspective that he kept through all of that that allowed him not to sin against God. Not to walk away from his faith. Not to lose his focus. The writer of Hebrews tells us that the Lord sometimes brings hardships. He allows hardships into the lives of those that he loves. Because he's training us. He's teaching us as sons and daughters. Friends, and we think, boy, that, that kind of sounds harsh. But if you have kids, you get this. Sometimes you let them struggle. So sometimes you let them struggle. Sometimes you let them fail so that they will learn. And they will know and they will get wisdom and they'll get it right the next time. And so God allows us sometimes to, to struggle, to fail, so that we'll learn Learn what? Learn our dependency on Him. And He alone is good. And here Asaph, he realizes that there is nothing on this earth that he desires more than God. Because God is the only one that he can count on. God is the only one who will sustain him and keep him. Like other Psalms that we've looked at, Asaph, he comes full circle in this whole deal. And we've seen it in some of these other Psalms as well. And when things happening around him, things happening in the world, when those things start to get him down and drag him down, when he was discouraged... He needed to see those things through the lens of God and through God's perspective. He needed to draw near in worship. He needed to recognize his ignorance and his sin. And then he concludes, verse 27, Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. <laughs> but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell everybody about it. I will tell of all your deeds. Friends, we need to do the same. We need to walk by faith, not by sight. And when the things of this world start to get us down, 
We need to remind ourselves to see things as God sees them. To see people as God sees them. Because it's so easy for us to look at situations and look at other people through an earthly lens. And I'll give you an example. Some of those people that we pass, and it's more and more common, that are on the street corners and at the red lights. You look at them standing there and they're asking for a, a donation and they're asking for help. My human response and reaction to, hear what I'm saying, those people. They're those people because they're not like me. And so I put them in a category, right? Those people. And I look at them, just being honest. Hey, fire me. But I look at them and I go, you're standing across the street from McDonald's who is hiring. Go get a job. And I look at them and that's, that's my human nature is to think that. But then I've come to know some people that were in situations like that. And what I learned was I'm not looking at them the way that God looks at them. Because you know what? I don't know them. I don't know their situation but I have come to know some people like them, and they can't help the fact that they're there dancing on the street corner trying to get people to give them money because they have something wrong with them. It's not their fault most of the time that they are where they are. In some cases, yes, it's a result of bad decisions. But I know one man in particular that as uh, he got older in midlife, his mind began to leave him, and he just began to do things that he could not control. And you know what? The family got to a point to where they could do absolutely nothing with him. They tried, and they tried. They tried doctors, medication. They tried all these things. But they couldn't help him. And he couldn't help himself. And he couldn't function in this world. And he ended up being totally abandoned. And homeless. And so now, when I look at those people, I look at them with a little more conviction than I used to. Because some of those people can't help where they're at and what they're doing. Now, I don't know what I do about that. That's still, that's still something God's working on me about. But I'm going to tell you, when we draw near to God, we'll begin to see situations and other people the way that he does instead of the way that they do. And so that's just something that God's working on me about. I don't, I don't know what we do about that. We got room to bring them all in the barn and maybe. I don't know. But I do know this. We need to draw near to God. That's what Asaph, that's what drug him out of the slip, off the slippery slope was entering into the sanctuary of the Lord, entering in to worship Him, draw near to Him, because when we do that, we'll recognize our ignorance, we'll recognize our sin, 
and we will understand the security that we have in that relationship when he takes us by the right hand. Friend, you will never feel more secure in all your life than when you're walking with him and holding his hand. Your security will not come from anything else except for him. When you know him and you're in his presence like that. And I'll close with this little story. An uh, eight-year-old little boy named Frankie. His daddy had been planning a, a fishing trip. And they were looking forward to it. They had set a date and uh, a Saturday aside. And the weatherman had said that the weather was going to be awesome. It was going to be great. He had seen, seen the 10-day forecast. He had been watching it all along. And as that Saturday got closer, there began to be a little bit more chance of rain. And it hadn't rained in quite some time. They were experiencing dry weather. And as Saturday morning came, he woke up to it pouring down rain, thunder, and lightning. And it appeared that it was going to go on like that all day. And Frankie was bummed. He was discouraged, and he began to wander around the house and looking out the window and grumbling more than just a little bit, you know, saying, seems to me, Lord, that, you know, it would have been better that it rained yesterday instead of raining today. And he complained to his father, who was just sitting there by the fireplace reading a book. And his father tried to explain to Frankie how much, you know, they, they needed the rain. The rain was important. It would make the flowers and the produce grow. The farmers needed the moisture for their crops. But Frankie was ticked. He was adamant. It just isn't fair. And he said that over and over and over again. Then about 3 o'clock, it stopped raining. Skies began to clear. Dad said, let's go. We've still got some time for fishing. So they took off and lo loaded their gear, and they went to the lake, and they started fishing. And whether it was the rain or the Lord at work, you know, Frankie didn't know. All Frankie knew is that the fish were biting, and they caught a lot. And they had a lot of fish in the live well, and they had a great day. And, and, and they came home, and Dad said, hey, let's, let's clean a few, and let's fry them up for supper. And so they did, and as they sat down to eat the fish... Frankie's daddy said, hey, Frankie, why don't you ask the blessing on our meal before we eat it? So he began to pray, and he concluded his prayer by saying this, And Lord, if I sounded grumpy earlier today, it was because I couldn't see far enough ahead. <laughs> Some of us find ourselves grumpy, complaining, discouraged, bitter about where we're at what we have or what we don't have and friends it's simply because we can't see far enough ahead we have to trust him and draw near to him and he is good and he is faithful let me pray for you before we go before we go dear god Help us 
as we struggle to see far enough ahead. I, I know that that's one of the things that I battle a lot is getting caught up in the moment and frustrated and not understanding and asking why. Uh, just like Asaph. I, I believe all of us here today, if we're honest, we, we've been there. <laughs> Some of us may be there right now in the first half of chapter 73. But God, today I trust that you are using your word to switch the lens in some people's lives that are here today. To give them a better focus, to give them a clear focus on what truly is important. And that's to be in your presence. And your presence to be in us. Leading us, guiding us, taking us by the right hand and walking with us. I pray that every single one of us would understand the security of that and the hope of that. That they would have confidence in that of who you are. And God, help us not to get distracted. Help us not to start looking around and looking at others and comparing ourselves. God, help us to stay focused on you so that we would see our situations and we would see others the way that you see them. And God, that we would be your hands and your feet here on this earth. And God, I don't know what that looks like in everybody's life that's here. I don't even know what that looks like in my life in the future. But God, I do know this. I know I need you, and I know that I want to walk with you, and I'm available for you to do what you want to do through my life and through my family. And so continue to lead me down that path, and I'll give you the glory, and I'll give you the praise that you deserve because you are good and you are faithful. And it's in your powerful name that we pray and ask these things. Amen. God bless you. I love you, everyone.